When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on The Bag Game. A lot of people love me for doing what I do. I mean, I don't think I had NBA dreams because, to be honest with you, I didn't think they were real. My back wheel just got stuck and we started spinning out. Somebody had called the NCAA anonymously and, and told them, like, they should investigate me. On the night of November 14th, 2017... Billy Preston and the rest of the University of Kansas Jayhawks were at the United Center in Chicago. Game two from Chicago. We welcome you back to the State Farm Champions Classic and two of the real blue bloods of the sport. Number seven, Kentucky, and number four, Kansas. On the heels of that and for Billy, it would be his first regular season game as a Jayhawk after having sat out the first game for missing curfew. Lawrence Journal World sports reporter Matt Tate was in Chicago to cover the game. It was supposed to be a pretty big-time night for Billy and, and for Kansas. And then in the, in the media room before the game, you started hearing a little bit about Billy's not going to play. And uh, all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out why not. An hour before tip-off, the Jayhawks released a statement from head coach Bill Self. It read, On Saturday... Billy was involved in a single-vehicle incident on campus. There were no injuries, but Billy's car sustained damage. After I learned about the incident, I reported it to our administration. The administration determined that we needed a clearer financial picture specific to the vehicle, so we decided to hold him out of tonight's game, and will continue to do that until the review is complete. This was the first anyone in the media was hearing about Billy's car accident the previous weekend, and the first indication that Kansas had questions about whether Billy would be eligible to play. Options because Billy Preston is not playing again here tonight. He recently was in a single car accident on campus, no injuries, but there is some, I guess, uh, ambiguity about the status of the car, the financial arrangement of the car. They self-reported it. They don't want to play. It was a big moment. I mean, it was it was big news. Potential starter and uh, a big-time name and a big-time talent. And, you know, out of nowhere, seemingly, he, he was no longer going to play. And, and uh, so that, that kind of kicked off the whole thing. I'm investigative reporter Paula Levine. From ESPN and 30 for 30 podcasts, this is The Bag Game. Episode 2, Nicole and the Bagman. Why did Kansas head coach Bill Self bench Billy? Well, as we heard in the last episode... Billy ran his Dodge Charger over a curb, but he didn't hurt himself or anyone else. Police never even responded to the scene. 
but the accident was reported to the NCAA. And even a coach as powerful as Bill Self doesn't risk crossing the NCAA. Today, we think of the National Collegiate Athletic Association as the organization that puts on college tournaments like the Final Four and the College World Series. But the organization that became the NCAA was founded in 1906 with the goal of protecting college football players. At least 45 players had died over the previous five years, and President Teddy Roosevelt stepped in to help negotiate the new rules. From early on, the NCAA held up an ideal of a student who attends college to get an education and just happens to play sports on the side. That meant teams absolutely could not pay athletes to play. It was a bedrock principle of the NCAA that the athletes were amateurs, not professionals. But the NCAA's amateurism rule got more controversial as college sports made more money. That really got started in the 1980s, when schools themselves were allowed to start selling the TV rights to football games. CBS welcomes you to the biggest game so far of the 1988 college football season. And it morphed into, you know, billions upon billions of dollars. That's ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis. That's where the explosion in salaries came from. That's where this explosion in staff came from. You look at the staffs of these universities, their athletic departments, they look like the Pentagon now. The business of college sports only grew. In 2010, Turner Sports and CBS paid $10.8 billion for 14 years of TV rights to broadcast the men's Division I basketball tournament. And just a few years later, they paid billions more to extend it. In 2011, ESPN paid $500 million to broadcast 24 NCAA championships and the exclusive international rights to men's March Madness for 12 years. Apparel companies like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour signed exclusive contracts with top schools to make sure the best teams wore their gear, forking millions more into athletic department budgets. And where did that money go? Salaries to head coaches in the millions, and what would be known as an arms race of spending on facilities, gear, and lavish amenities. Think waterfalls, video arcades, and professional chefs. But even the splashiest waterfall can't compete with cash. And the system found a way for that, too. Here's Billis again. No coach wins without great players. Just doesn't happen. So that's the game, is attract the best talent. The black market economy of paying players under the table exists because of the NCAA's amateurism rules. In sports and recruiting, 100% of the time, money's changing hands. That's ESPN basketball analyst and former NBA player Jalen Rose. What makes it illegal is when you get caught. Otherwise, you got to pay to play. Rose had his own brush with an NCAA scandal when he played at the University of Michigan back in the 90s. The most renowned recruiting class in college hoop history is now the subject of scandal. The Fab Five made Michigan as the style and hoopsters were elevated to rock star status. 
Is that tainted? Now that allegations include loans and gifts to players. Most Rose says payment rarely comes from the school or the athletic department. Instead, it comes from a network of hangers-on who scout elite players starting in middle school. Agents, managers, and recruiters get paid to study you. They know where your parents work. They know how much money they make. They know about your siblings. They know about your uncles. They know everything about you. They're studying you. So by the time they approach you, they know what goods to dangle in order to make their situation sound more attractive. Sometimes what's dangled is money to buy a car. The questions started being asked, and, and they're usually only asked of African-American players, where'd you get money, the money for this car? You know, they don't seem to ask that of, of white players. As a teenager, Billy Preston saw his life as a straight shot to the NBA. That's where the big payday was going to come. Along the way, schools like Oak Hill Academy and the University of Kansas had lined up to offer him scholarships to play on their teams. Billy's mom, Nicole, didn't know much about the business side of youth basketball. But her partner, TK, knew about the industry around up-and-coming talent. Remember, she'd played on elite high school teams that led her to a Division I college and the WNBA. You go from playing and having fun to instantly it's business when you get to high school and you are one of the very good players because everybody's looking for the next best thing. Over the years, as Billy started getting more national recognition and colleges began recruiting him, Nicole says she started fielding offers for serious cash. By the time he was um, a senior, had had anybody tried to offer you money? Had anybody talked to you about any sort of incentive to go anywhere? Honestly, yeah. Who? Big-name universities with numbers that you wouldn't imagine. Nicole said that after one notable game while Billy was in high school, a college head coach approached her with a proposal. Right then on the spot, head coach offered money. How much was he offering? 300000 The head coach himself? The head coach himself. Just to be clear, that offer Nicole says she got, $300,000 for Billy to go play for a Division I college, that would have been completely against the NCAA's amateurism rule. So she won't say where the offer came from. But she did say that it wasn't the only one she received. She described another time when an assistant coach came to her house, sat on her couch, and said, Whatever you need, whatever you want, we'll make it happen. But he did tell me that he's not even supposed to be in my home. Like, it was totally, you know, illegal. Like, we weren't supposed to be talking. Billy was still in the 11th grade. Was Billy aware of these offers? No. Never said a word to him. I mean, you offer a kid that wants Jordans and PS4s and a new car, if you, if I tell them that somebody wants to pay him a quarter of a million dollar plus to go to school, I think that would sway any child to go to that particular school. So I never, ever put my son in that position, and I never told him that type of thing. I wanted certain things to remain pure for him. And even when basketball started becoming a business, I just wanted him to go and play and have fun. 
And then if you can get a scholarship while doing so, let's do it, you know. But other than that, no, I I never told him. But Billy certainly wasn't naive. He knew the system. He knew that colleges sometimes found a way to funnel money to players' families. Billy says he and his friends called this money the bag. So, for example, if I'm talking to another talented player in my class and just say we're conversating about college or where we're going to go, and he tells me, oh, I'm thinking about going here, and I'm like, bro, they going to throw a bag? Like, they going to throw the bag? We already know, like, what were they talking about? He's talking about money. So, yeah, that's, that's the bag. The bag often is the bribe. It's the money offered to a player or a player's family. Matt Babcock has spent decades as a college basketball analyst, and he's a former sports agent. He's seen plenty of this. He tells a story from his days as an agent about signing a player who was just out of college and getting a strange phone call. And uh, his mom had called, says, hey, I got a problem. You know, the, the checks stopped coming. I'm like, what checks? Checks from the school. I'm like, all right, well, I don't, I don't know what kind of arrangement you made, but I, I can assure you, it wasn't, wasn't a lifetime deal. <laughs> Your son's not there anymore. I don't want to know anything more, kind of thing. And then asked me to call the coach, and I was like, there's zero chance I'm making that call. Babcock had heard rumors for years of coaches paying players, but that call confirmed it. Although now Babcock works as an NBA draft analyst for the media, he remains close enough to the system that he knows those deals still happen. You know, even to this day, I've got my my guesses on certain staffs. I'm like, this guy's probably the bag man. How do you spot the bag man? Um, A lot of it is guys' backgrounds. I mean, the, the guys that are coming from an AAU team. It's a pretty strong indicator, like, all right, that guy's set up to create pipelines for recruits. And not every single guy that has, you know, has connections at the grassroots level is dirty. But more often than not, there's some crooked stuff going on. Babcock saw bag men connected to AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union. AAU teams are part of a wider universe of youth leagues around the country that are collectively called grassroots basketball. Nicole says that most offers of payments did not come directly from the college team staff. She'd hear from Billy's AAU coaches that there might be an offer for him at a certain school. But according to Nicole, she didn't take any of these colleges up on their offers. Ultimately, at the end of the day, money doesn't affect the decision. That's not, it's not the money that drove us to one place and not drove us to another because there were offers of substantial amounts that no one took. And anyway, Billy and his family had their eyes on the prize, millions of dollars in sponsorship money once Billy got to the NBA. College would be just a one-year stop along the way. This brings us back to Billy's senior year in high school. Billy was being recruited by Indiana, Syracuse, USC, and Kansas. That's when Nicole got an offer that would be a lifetime thing, bigger than anything that had come before. Billy and Nicole went to visit Lawrence on an official recruiting trip during Billy's senior year in 2016. The school's tour guide split them up. 
So the parents had an itinerary. You know, we would go see the boring stuff like the library and, you know, things like that. Eventually, Nicole ended up in Coach Self's office, watching from a balcony overlooking the gym while Billy scrimmaged with the team. Bill Self was there, along with assistant coach Curtis Townsend, as well as a couple of other guys. When we were in there, it was two gentlemen in there who I'd never met before. I saw one of the guys just being on the circuit, but I had never been formally introduced. And um, both of whom were, I guess, the college representatives for Adidas. One of them was James Gatto. He worked for Adidas as the director of global sports marketing for basketball. The other man was T.J. Gasnola. Gasnola was a heavyset guy in his mid-40s with a high and tight haircut, a Boston accent, and a criminal record. Gasnola had convictions for larceny and assault and a long record of theft and unpaid debts. He reportedly bragged about being connected to organized crime. He drove with an invalid license for more than a decade and was labeled a habitual traffic offender by the state of Massachusetts. Despite his past, Gasnola found success in the world of youth basketball. In 2004, he founded an Adidas-sponsored AAU team in Massachusetts called the New England Players, and he could spot talent. According to Gasnola, the Players sent about 150 kids to play college basketball over 15 years. Many of those players got athletic scholarships. Gasnola also worked as a consultant for Adidas, making about $150,000. On top of that, he billed the company upwards of $300,000, largely for quote-unquote travel expenses. As an Adidas consultant, Gasnola helped recruit top high school athletes to college programs sponsored by Adidas, like the University of Kansas. The $300,000 included money that Gasnola funneled from Adidas to those players and their families. That's how TJ Gasnola met Nicole Player in October 2016 in Coach Bill Self's office at Kansas. I don't know who made the formal introduction. I can't say. But Coach Self was there. Yeah, he was. Billy also remembers seeing Gasnola hanging around Bill Self's office with assistant coach Curtis Townsend. I walked into Coach Self's office one time in the basketball office, and I seen, you know, the rep for Adidas there. And Coach Townsend lets me know that he's going to introduce him to my mom. Like, he, like he's going to introduce and link them up together, you feel me? So he lets me know this after... He just walked out the office. I just talked to him, shook his hand. I'm talking to him, and he's telling me, like, yeah, that's TJ Adidas. I'm going to link him up with your mom, and, you know, they're going to get in contact and this and that. Later on during that 2016 visit, Nicole says she ran into Gasnola again in the lobby of the Oread Hotel, a castle-like building just off the university campus. That's where Nicole, TK, Gatto, and Gasnola were staying. Gasnola asked Nicole if she and TK would meet with him and Gatto in their hotel room. And I said, sure. No problem. When Nicole and TK got to the room, Gasnola let off the pitch. 
Gatto barely did any talking. Casanola did all the talking. It reminded me of the head mob boss and his henchmen. They started by comparing Billy to other players that had gone to Adidas schools like Kansas and the amounts of money they made in contracts with the sneaker company once they went pro. And then they'll say, but Billy's 10 times better than him. You know, Billy is a $20 million guy. You know, we project Billy to be here. We take care of our own, you know. Adidas takes care of Adidas athletes. But then when they were giving me specific numbers of where they projected my child to be, which was the first time I had heard the, any type of numbers like that, I was just like, oh, really? You know, it opened up a door. You know what I mean? And it definitely opened up something for me. I will say that. What did you think they meant when they said to you, we take care of our own? I feel like they wanted Billy to go to an Adidas school, to an Adidas-branded school. Nicole's not making a huge leap here. As evidence came out later in the scandal, this was a strategic and intentional scheme that went up the chain. Gasnola frequently worked with another Adidas rep named Merle Code. Here's a hidden camera recording in which Code explains how Adidas attracted top prospects through its grassroots basketball circuit and then steered them to Adidas-affiliated colleges. You're trying to push those kids to your affiliated schools. For instance, Indiana, Kansas, um, Arizona State, Miami are all Adidas schools. So if I can have those kids in my umbrella at the grassroots level, and I can now follow those kids to my sponsored schools, I win at the grassroots level, my colleges win, and then hopefully I can assign them to pros. Code, Gatto, and Gasnola wouldn't talk to us for this podcast. But Gasnola did testify under oath in a federal courthouse in New York. That's where all of this wound up in October 2018. Here's an excerpt from his court testimony. It's read by actors here, and we're doing that for all court transcripts and written evidence, because no tape recorders were allowed in the courtroom. The questioner was Eli Mark, an assistant U.S. attorney prosecuting the case. And he's asking Gasnola about the conversation he and Gatto had with Nicole and TK at the Oriad Hotel. During that conversation, what did you say and what did Ms. Player say and TK say? I had heard for a while that they were taking money from outside influences, you know, whether it had been agents or financial people. You know, that's what I heard. So I told those ladies that from now on, stop taking money from those entities and just come to me and I'll take care of it. And why did you want Ms. Player and TK to stop taking money from other people and instead go to you? I didn't think those other people would conceal it very good. And there was always the risk of it getting out that they were taking money from agents or whoever. I just thought I could conceal it better than those other people could. Nicole took another meeting with TJ Gasnola a month later in New York City. There, she says, Gasnola pressured her to get Billy to go to an Adidas school. He didn't care which one it was. It could have been Indiana or Kansas. Just an Adidas school. But he asked me, was I going to commit to either one of those two schools? And making that commitment, he basically said that, you know, they would guarantee Billy a contract after with Adidas. And so I agreed. I wanted my son 
to get what they told me he was projected to get and what they saw him getting. What they saw him getting was $20 million after his year playing college ball at Kansas. But Gasnola also put a more short-term offer on the table. We had a conversation about him advancing me money on future Adidas royalties. Nicole says Gasnola offered her money up front in exchange for Billy's commitment to one of the Adidas-sponsored universities. Basically, for a verbal commitment, you know, he would pay me X amount of dollars. And then for signing, he would pay me X amount of dollars. What was your thought coming out of there, especially as it pertained to whether you thought doing this was going to risk anything? I didn't think it was going to risk anything, honestly. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't. I was told from TJ the money was coming from him, himself. It's from my personal. This has nothing to do with Adidas. This is from my personal stash. This is from me. This is from me to you. As an advance that we had to pay back when Billy got an Adidas contract. I don't know. I I guess I just, I didn't think that it would affect anything. I don't know. Naive on my part, but I didn't. He told me it was personal and that it was a loan, basically. Gasnola testified that he paid Nicole $30,000 at that meeting. A couple of weeks later, Billy made his verbal commitment to Kansas. Without further ado, let's have your college choice. Where are you going to school? Next year, I'll be attending the University of Kansas. (laughs) The Jayhawks. Nicole met Gasnola again in January 2017 at a hotel in Las Vegas. I went up to his room, and he handed me an envelope. It wasn't a bag. It was just an envelope. And it was $30,000 cash in there. When did you realize it was 30000 Did you count it? Did he tell you? I counted it. Like right in front of him? Yeah, I stayed up there and counted it in front of him. Gasnola and Nicole disagree on the amounts of money involved. But Gasnola gave testimony under oath. And his testimony was backed up by bank records, text messages, and recordings of wiretapped phone calls. Part of what Gasnola was trying to do was to make sure Kansas stuck with Adidas. At the time, the two sides were negotiating what would become a 14-year, $196 million sponsorship deal. When Bill Self was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in September 2017, Adidas threw a party for him and another inductee. Gasnola was there, too. The bill for the night? $250,000. And Preston wasn't the only player Gasnola was working on. A wiretapped call picked up Gasnola talking about dropping bags for $20,000 or $30,000 for another recruit in order to get Kansas to re-sign with Adidas. All along, Gasnola was submitting phony invoices to the head of basketball marketing at Adidas, Jim Gatto. Here's a wiretapped phone call between Gatto and Gasnola. It's a little hard to understand, but Gasnola is telling Gatto about all of his expenses, and Gatto is telling him to document everything for the invoices. Give me eight. So, I mean, another 20 towards salary. 
Put it all put down. Put it. Put everything down, man. You got to put it down. All, all who we owe for the rest of the year. Put your salary, expenses, everything. Gasnola's invoices were for innocuous-sounding things like tournament and camp fees, but they were also inflated. When Gasnola paid Nicole $30,000 in New York, he charged Adidas $50,000. The remainder went to buy tickets to the college football championship game and to the Super Bowl, which he says he gave to friends and colleagues in the business. When he paid her in Las Vegas, he took $7,500 extra, in part for gambling money in the casino. All along, according to Gasnola and multiple records, he kept Jim Gatto at Adidas abreast of what he was paying Nicole. Here's Gasnola under questioning from the court transcript again. Did there come a point in time when you spoke with Jim Gatto about this meeting you had with Miss Player, where you gave her $30,000? You know, Jim and I had conversations all the time. One of my conversations was, Billy Preston's family is in a good place. And when you say Billy Preston's family was in a good place, what would you be referring to? That they had gotten money from us and that they are in a good place. Gatto, an Adidas executive, was fully aware that these payments were taking place. He was checking in to make sure that Billy Preston was still in the Adidas family. After handing Nicole an envelope full of cash in Las Vegas, Gasnola began sending money by wire transfer instead. In February 2017, he had his fiancée wire $20,000 to TK's account. And in June, he wired $15,000 from his team's account directly to Nicole. Wiring money directly to TK and Nicole gave investigators a clear paper trail to follow. Why were those payments by wire instead of by cash like the prior ones? Because I got lazy. Prosecutors also had the benefit of text messages, including one from Gasnola to Nicole on September 22, 2017. Have money for you. 4K. Gonna send it late today, early tomorrow, when I get out of Atlanta. That message came just a few weeks after this one. All is well. Got Billy a car. Gonna drive it down to KU on Saturday. What kind of car did you get him? You're a great mama. I got him a Dodge Charger. Love it. At the time, Billy says he noticed his mom seemed to be more flush with cash, but he didn't ask why. It got to a point to where, like, I'm, I asked myself, I said, my mom, like, low-key got, like, got money. <laughs> like, my mom, like, we low-key doing real, like, real good. Like, at this time, it's like whenever I call my mom and ask her for a couple dollars, she, she sent me more than what I asked for. I'm at the point to where I'm like, where is this, like, where is it coming from? Gasnola says the total paid to Billy's parents was about $90,000. Nicole says it was half that. Nicole says she wasn't even aware of all the payments, including the money wired to TK. And Nicole also says Gasnola promised a lot more than he delivered. I used to hit TJ phone like, bro, when are you going to come with my money? You know what I mean? And it was always some slick, greasy, this is coming out of my pocket. It's, I'm building a house from the ground up. It was blamed on, hey, my wife, you know, went into labor and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of this, like, it never came through. Nobody ever told me that I was about to be penny pinched until the end of time. I asked Nicole, 
What did she do with the money from Gasnola? Spent it. I lived off of it. It wasn't nothing major that I did. I didn't go on a trip. I paid some bills, um, relaxed a little. Did you do anything special with it? Did you Did you and Billy do anything? Did you get him anything? Billy did was you? in school. Nope. On the grand scale of things, it's not any money when you really, by the time I caught up on all the things I needed to catch up with, you right back to broke. It didn't change my life. When I interviewed her, Nicole said she wanted to make clear one thing she did not directly spend the money on. Billy's charger. She said she financed the car for $20,000 with help from her mother, whose name was on the title. It can be easy from the outside to pass judgment on a parent who breaks the rules like Nicole did. But ESPN's Myron Medcalf thinks about this a little differently. He compares young athletes to talented kids in other fields, like when teenage pop singers make it big with the support of their parents. That's an American story. Weird thing happens when you start bouncing the basketball. Weird dynamic comes in. Maybe you all can help me figure it out. But all of a sudden, when that kid who's had the same support from mom, who took him to practice, got him his first basketball, took him to Saturday morning basketball when nobody cared, and now he's 17 and he's projected to be a lottery pick, and now she's evil? Now she just wanted a meal ticket? Maybe, if that's what you believe. Or maybe there's something about basketball that we don't apply to young talent anywhere else. Let's talk about those black kids the same way we talk about the white kids who are making hits right now on TV and are touring the world as superstars in music. For Nicole, it goes back to the economics of college basketball. And it's a version of an argument that many people have made over the years against the NCAA's amateurism rule. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I look at this thing in two ways. One, I could have very well said no. I could have said, no, this is not for me. But two, I feel like it's predatory. And I feel like at the end of the day, you catch anybody down on their luck in a tough time and you dangle something in front of their face. I mean, it just it just is what it is. And I'm not making any excuses for it. I just feel like the entire system is corrupt and predatory. I feel like they they prey on impoverished families. And most of those impoverished families happen to be people of color. I was astonished to find out how much money college coaches made. It was heartbreaking for me because here I am being persecuted. I mean, nailed to the wall, crucified for $45,000. The coach makes seven figures and everybody on that bench after him makes six figures until you get to the person in the uniform. Then they say, oh, well, he has a good quality education. But he always called and needed something. My mom hungry. Mama, can we this? Mama, can we that? It, it doesn't make any real sense to me, the entire system.
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Every university in the NCAA has compliance officers on staff. Their job is to make sure the school, its employees, and its students are following the rules. After all, if a student gets caught accepting money under the table, the school might have to vacate wins, pay fines, and kick the player off the team. Billy's car accident on Veterans Day 2017 started the questions inside the University of Kansas. Where did Billy get the car? Could his family really have paid for it? The university started by asking Billy. The first question that comes up is, where do you get the charger from? To Nicole, those questions had a lot to do with assumptions about what kind of kid drives a Dodge Charger. It's almost, to me, I don't want to say racist per se, but it wasn't a BMW. It wasn't a Mercedes. A few days after Billy's accident on Tuesday, November 14th, a lawyer and an NCAA compliance officer from the University of Kansas flew to Houston to meet with Nicole. She invited them in and they sat on her couch. Then they asked Nicole whether she'd taken money for Billy to play at their school. They asked me straight up, have you ever gotten any money or has anybody ever? And I told them the truth. I was like, yeah. And they were like, who? And I said, TJ Gastonola. And they were basically told me that they had already knew that. What were you feeling at that moment? I think I had kind of felt like I had messed up with the wire. I felt like I had made a cardinal mistake. You know what I mean? I just felt like, oh, it's a paper trail. I wasn't ashamed because I'm not the type of person that, I mean, if I do something, I got to, you know, I got to walk in it. You know what I mean? I just felt like I just kind of like, what was I thinking? What did you think about Billy at that point? Oh, my heart sank. It sank. It literally sank. The immediate fallout came that same evening as Billy got ready to play in his first official game as a Jayhawk in the State Farm Champions Classic in Chicago. Hey, get your popcorn. You know what time it is. Game time. Let's get it. I have my whole uniform on, already dressed up. I got my shoes on. We done stretching and everything. I'm literally sitting by my locker, using my phone, just waiting to go out. And, you know, Coach Self and Coach Townsend, they walk in 
with like a mopey look on their face, like, you know, and then that's when they called me in. They 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 called me, they said, Billy, yeah, we, we need to talk to you really quick. And that's when everybody on the team did like the ooh, like you you in trouble time. I'm like, what's what's going on, bro? I'm just ready to play, bro. Like, please don't tell me anything to where I can't go out there and play. <laughs> like, so that's the first thing they tell me. He was like, Yeah, you know, due to the you know, little car wreck and it being reported to the NCAA. And, you know, they, they, they just called us and said that you can't play. Like, you're ineligible, like, to play. Back in Houston, Nicole heard the news that Kansas was going to hold Billy out of the game. Curtis Townsend called me first. He told me that they were going to go talk to Billy and that um, he would tell me what happened afterwards. When he called me back, he said, my son just broke down and cried fell to his knees. And um, I'm not a crier. I don't think I cried harder than I cried that day. And I, it was just, I don't know, it just kind of all came crashing down, you know? How was it that Billy found out about the payment? Was it, it was from Curtis? He called me and asked me what happened. They let me explain it to him. And I told him the truth. I didn't have a choice but to tell him the truth. How much did you tell him? I told him about the $15,000 wire. That's all I told him about. It wasn't until afterwards that I told him other things. I asked my mom, like, basically, like, did, did Adidas give us money to go here? She was like, yeah, they did. It was probably one of the worst days of my life. It changed a lot of our relationship, the relationship with him. We was in the locker room, and I was sick. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm supposed to be playing right now. Like, there's no reason I shouldn't be on this floor right now, like, doing what I do. Kansas Alexander forces up a three, and Kansas will win it. The Jayhawks prevail after losing on their two previous matchups to Kentucky here in the Champions Classic. They beat Kentucky tonight 65-61. That same day, Nicole and Gasnola had a text exchange, read again by actors here. My kid can't play. This is fucking awful. I can only say I'm sorry so much. Is he okay? He's distraught. I don't know what to say. I always was just trying to help you all to avoid this exact fucking situation. I know. Nicole tried to cover her tracks. According to Gasnola, she asked him to contact KU officials and tell them that he never gave her money. He even had his attorney write a letter to that effect, even though it wasn't true. She also suggested telling university officials they were in a romantic relationship, hoping that would give her cover for accepting money. But that wasn't true either. Nicole also tried with Billy. In text messages that would later become evidence, she coached him on what to say to school officials. I don't care what they say to you. You don't know. If they ask you about a person, say, I don't know. I would have to see their face. Nicole said the FBI accessed the contents of her phone and she turned over her bank records. But she says she was never actually questioned. Remember, Gasnola said she had been taking money from other people before him. And sources with knowledge of the FBI investigation said the same. Nicole has repeatedly said that isn't true, but none of that was ever vetted in court. 
Gasnola did testify at trial that Bill Self and the rest of the coaching staff at the University of Kansas didn't know about the payments he made to Billy's family. After the game in Chicago, Billy began an agonizing wait. We're, we're very hopeful that we are nearing the conclusion to the point where maybe we can find something out in, in, in the relatively near future, but I don't think that's going to be by Wednesday. The University of Kansas launched its own investigation into Gasnola and Nicole to decide if Billy could play. Confident we'll have some news uh, soon, uh, but that's not, I'm not saying today positively. Weeks went by, and after every game, Bill Self would take questions from reporters about when Billy would be back on the team. You know, I've said for a while now, sooner rather than later, and I can guarantee you it will be sooner rather than later. I'll never get an answer. Like, every week, every weekend, it's the same thing. It's just pushed back a week to the next weekend. And they never tell me why. They would just tell me that they always, they still decided, or they still having meetings about it. They still, you know, figuring it out. In late December 2017, the university finished its investigation and handed its findings to the NCAA. After that, it would be up to the NCAA to make a final decision. For an athlete like Billy, riding the bench week in and week out had a psychological cost. Man, that that whole time I was just depressed. I just wanted to play, like, not even just play. I wanted to play in college. Like, I could still travel. I could still practice. I just couldn't play in the game. And every weekend going by and I just can't play, like, it's eating me up inside. Like, I'm tired of sitting, bro. I came here for a reason. I'm in Allen Fieldhouse every game on the sidelines just watching my teammates. The fans go crazy, and I can't do nothing about it. By late January of 2018, Billy had watched 17 Jayhawks games from the sidelines with no sign that he'd ever play again for Kansas. But Billy also knew that in order to be a serious prospect for the NBA draft, he had to play to get some game tape for scouts. So he started looking elsewhere. He got an offer from a pro team in Bosnia. They would pay him $100,000 for four months of playing time. Billy called Coach Self, who tried to talk him out of it. He personally think me leaving and going overseas, uh, especially to where I was going, was a good idea. Like, he just felt like, you know, that situation could get worked out just a matter of time. And I just felt like I didn't have time. So, like, when I'm listening to him talk now, it's just like, Coach Self, I, I hear you. I really do. But it's been like four weeks, and you've been telling me the same thing, and ain't nothing, ain't nothing changing. So, you know, I feel like this probably is the best thing for me to do. But I could tell in his voice and just the things he was saying, he didn't want me to leave. On January 20th, 2018... Billy announced that he would be leaving the University of Kansas without playing a single official game as a Jayhawk. Bill Self spoke at a press conference later that day. They had to do something, and, and uh, I was hoping, we were all hoping that, that, the, that the closure would come before they had to do something, but I, 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 they, they said they were, you know, frustration had set in and they were tired of waiting, so I, I, I totally understand that. What was it like driving out of town that last time? Of course, I was sad leaving because I, I did want to play at KU. I wanted to actually play the whole year and 
win the NCAA championship. But since I couldn't play, it was like, I wasn't just gonna stay there and watch. Like, no, I still gotta, you know, like I said, look out for myself. Billy and Nicole packed up his dorm room and drove out of Lawrence. Billy got on a plane to Bosnia. There, Billy discovered that his coach didn't speak English. Only one of his teammates did. So that teammate would translate between Billy and the coach. Most times I just give my coach a thumbs up. Like when he'll say something just to let him know, okay, I got you, thumbs up. In Bosnia, Billy felt about as far away from the life he'd planned as he could possibly be. In my backyard, in the house that I had, it was like a big space just of snow. You know, like literally looked like you was just in Alaska or something like that. And it was just one house set in the middle of nowhere. Already at a low point in his life, he also felt a wedge driven between him and the one person who he believed had always had his back, his mom. It damaged our relationship. I didn't talk to my mom for like a couple months. You know, it was all due to that. Billy was sidelined after just three games in Bosnia, shoulder injury. He left about halfway through his four-month contract. It was bad enough for Billy to have his name dragged through the mud because the NCAA was looking into a questionable car. But when Billy returned to the U.S. to get ready for the draft, his name was in headlines again. That's because a federal criminal case had outed Kansas and T.J. Gasnola. Now, Billy's name was linked to a much bigger scandal. Coming up in our next episode, the roots of the bag game. And who else got snagged in the federal investigation? I called my wife. I said, hey, babe, I have no idea what's going on right now, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get arrested today. The scheme to make a very large payment uh, to the family of a student athlete. Everybody's in it, man. If this thing is dirty, we all got mud on us, man. All of us. That's next time on The Bag Game. The Bag Game is based on reporting by me, Paula Levine, and Mark Schlebaugh for ESPN's Investigative Unit. Senior producer is Matt Frassica. Senior editorial producer is Eve Tro. Line producer is Kath Sankey. Associate producers are Gus Navarro and Megan Coyle. Production assistants are Diamante McKelvey and Isabella Seaman. Archival producers are Megan Coyle and G. Young Park. Music by Braxton Cook, with additional composition, scoring, and sound design by Hannes Brown. 